the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks. Welcome. This is Yak Radio with Dave Stahl on FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. This hour is brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. If uh, you have a uh, grocery store, liquor store, and you're having issues with hiring a cashier, well, you might want to check out uh, Southwest Point of Sale. It is a self-checkout system, easy to use, inexpensive, about the cost of a cash register, actually. You can use your iPhone away from the store to change pricing, uh, delivery, installations, all provided by Southwest Point of Sale specialists. Unlimited technical support. Give them a call at 1-800-540-2149. Also, San Diego Propane. If you're lucky enough to live in East County and you want to save some money on propane, give Dave a call at 619-460-1705 or just go to sd-propane.com. Tell me you heard it right here on KCBQ. And for automotive needs, West Escondido Auto and Trans, Brian has a show Saturday morning on this station. Plus, he owns four stations across the United States, or four repair facilities up and down the county. Just go to westautomotivegroup.com. So I got a friend of mine over by Pate, Texas, actually over in Texas, and they have a Pate swap meet. And this thing is so massive, he asked me to do a little interview, and I did with Sam Romero. Take a listen. All right, folks. Hey, well, I've got my good buddy Jeremy Barnes on the line, and we're going to talk a little bit about how well Mitsubishi did in 2021. And if you have not been watching Mitsubishi, you need to get on the all right. Hey, folks, you know, uh, there is a great, great swap meet. No, it's not in your backyard, but I've got Sam uh, Romero who's going to tell me all about it. Sam. Yes, sir. Are you excited about the new, the, the upcoming paint swap meet? Oh, we're very excited. This is our 50th anniversary. Uh, uh, we have a lot of new things that are, that are, uh, in the, in the, uh, working right now. We've gone to a new computer system, so we're completely automated. Um, in the past, we've sold right in the neighborhood of 9,000 spaces total. This year, we're going to go way past that. In fact, it's put a strain on the member clubs the, because of the extra amount of work that's, uh, that's required. But it's going to be really, really great. So what's the main content of the swap meet, or is it just a little bit of everything? Actually, it's a little bit of everything. Over the years... I've seen aircraft, World War One aircraft engines. I've seen um, uh, helicopters, Huey helicopters, were made into an outside bar. I've seen tractors. I've seen saddles. I've seen uh, obviously cars, motorcycles, heavy on motorcycles. A lot of uh, uh, just automobiles, signs, heavy on signage. Uh, you name it. Um, I'll give you an example of how big it is and how popular. First time I went was in 1985, and I'd never seen anything like it. A couple of years later, I was thinking about not going, and I was threatened with a divorce if we didn't go. So uh, I've been to every meet since 1985. Wow. So so what you're telling me 
There's something there for everybody, the husband, the wife, the kids, the grandkids. Exactly. Yes, sir. My wife always had a, had a ball. There was always a lot of uh, – there was just so much stuff there, so many different things there. We don't in any way try and regulate it. I mean, you can't sell any firearms. You can't sell any beer. Other than that, you know, rocking and rolling. Yeah, well, and, and that and that makes uh, and that makes good sense. Um, how many acres are you going to have to hike? Well, if you walk this thing from one end to the other, it's about a mile and a quarter, and it's about uh, oh, it's well over a quarter of a mile wide. Um, but you can rent for, for people like me that are too old to be walking them. But it's about nineteen or twenty miles total, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, there are golf, uh, what do you call it, uh, handicap carts that are rent are rent every day. We've got oh, a good. company out of Wisconsin that brings those things every year. That's very popular. Um, we kind of look the other way between seven in the morning and ten o'clock in the evening and, and, and the in the morning, as far as if people want to, to ride around on their their bicycles or something like that. We lock it down at ten o'clock where there's no movement inside except for those of us on the golf carts. Uh, and then at five o'clock, it's back open again. So oh, okay. uh, we we're very safety conscious of trying to, you know, because you might have, uh, uh, you know, in a hundred feet, you might have uh, 150 people sometimes on a Saturday, uh, just in one area looking at something. It's wow. it's wild. You'd have to see it to believe it. I can I can imagine. So for people that might be coming out of town that are interested in getting out of the house with all this insanity we've been dealing with. Uh, ample uh, hotel rooms? Uh, not at this time, no. Um, you pretty much, if you're a vendor, you pretty much have to do it well in advance if you want to be close. Now, there are ample motel rooms in Fort Worth or in Denton, but you're talking 20, 25 miles. Oh, that's not if bad. You're talking within four or five miles of the, of the, of the, uh, of the meet. The meet's at Texas Motor Speedway, which is a large venue. That's, there's a lot of surrounding restaurants, a lot of surrounding motels and stuff like that. But a lot of that stuff, is, as far as the motels, are booked up way in advance. Yeah, I'm sure people that are going to go uh, this year are going to book their hotel rooms before they leave. We uh, we don't know exactly what the total uh, quantity of people is that come in to visit, but the track through their, their uh, uh, parking system has advised us it's in the neighborhood of two to 300,000 people come every year. Holy moly. Now, yes, how, many it's days, large. how many days is it? Uh, it the, the meet actually is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But okay. uh, the setup starts on Wednesday, and we only have people in there on Monday and Tuesday, sometimes setting up. By Wednesday, uh, midday of setup, you got a full-blown swap meet. Wow. And Thursday morning, it's, I mean, Thursday morning, it's, you know, it's its uh, 100 miles an hour. It's cranking. Man, and then Sundays tear down and go home? Most of them will pull out on Saturday evening. Wow. Uh, it used to be Sunday, and it was it was really straining us because we're, we're, most of the clubs that put this on there are, we started out with 17 clubs, and we're down to 13 member clubs now. Uh, the gray hair is creating problems. So we don't have the manpower that we had in the past, yet the meat itself is growing, you know, uh, by leaps and bounds. 
Yeah, you got to start. You know, we're having the same issue here in California. I mean, any any state that has a a swap meet, car shows, anything like that, you know, you got it. We got to start reaching out to these younger kids and get them involved because you know it, you, we can only do it so long. Oh, amen to that. There's no question about that. You know, and we're kind of surprised in a way. We've we've been at a steady pace all these years, but last year bumped it way up. Uh, oh yeah. You know, in California, you had a lot more restrictions than what we've had here in Texas. And, uh, I mean, last year was unbelievable. We had a temporary move because of the of the COVID virus uh, injections. They moved us to the other side of the track. Uh, and it was something that was new for us, fortunately, one year only. So we were disrupted as far as the, the work pattern, but the swap meet itself was the best we'd ever had. And a number, what surprised me was a number of the vendors told me that they had made more money at that meet than they had ever had in the past. Yes, so no figure. So what's the cost to get in? It's free to uh, to any visitor. Uh, the track charges $5 per day for parking. And if people want to come in and do the camping, there's only dry camping. There's no wet camping, and it's 20 bucks for the weekend. That's a screaming deal. Yeah, it's not expensive. We're we're fairly reasonable on all that. There's a we have some some uh, chains around the state of Texas. You haven't made it to California yet. That's called Bucky's, and there's a huge one across the street. Uh, Bucky's will have 65 or 70 gas pumps. That's how big it is. And uh, so there's all kinds of stuff close by as far as amenities and things like that. Lots of restaurants in the area. Because, like I say, Texas Motor Speedway is uh, oh, yeah. it's on the NASCAR map big time. Oh, big time. So it's got big everything time. around it. All right. So best place for people to get more information, PaceSwapMeet.com. Yes, sir. All right. Well, hey, man. There's also, stop. for what it's worth, Dave, there's a video in there. If they'll pull up that video and look at it, that video was filmed five years ago, but it'll give people uh, an idea of how big it is and what it looks like. All right. Great, great information. Don't spend too much, and I'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Take care. All right, folks. Welcome back. You are listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl on FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by South Bay Auto House. You got a Mercedes-Benz? Looking for maybe an alternative to the dealer? Well, you can't beat 25 years of top-notch quality service. They have been working on Mercedes-Benz. All their technicians are qualified. Uh, They've all been highly trained. They have a complete lineup of pre-owned Mercedes. If you're looking to get into a Mercedes or maybe you're going to buy a new one and you want to trade yours in, trust me, give South Bay Auto House an opportunity to buy it. Probably give you more than you can imagine. South Bay Auto House, family-owned and operated. Go to AutoHouseSouthBay.com. Dot com. Also, Bumper Docs and scratches, dings, dents, headlight restoration, paint, body work, uh, Bumper Docs and They can take care of all of that. Window tinting. Go to SantiBumperDoc.com. Tell them you heard it right here on KCBQ. All right, I got an interview that I did with Carl Brower. He's from ICCars.com on the new Toyota Tundra. Take a listen. Well, folks, I uh, had the opportunity to jump in the 2022 Toyota Tundra IMAX uh, and got to see the Capstone series. And of course, you know, I always got to bring my expert uh, in with me, Carl Brower. Uh, he was there as well. Uh, Carl, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on with you. Thanks for having me on, Dave. 
My pleasure, my pleasure. So, what was your what was your initial um, reaction uh, to this truck? I'm I'm pretty impressed because I think Toyota has found a way to com- to combine horsepower and torque with fuel efficiency and um, even a great engine note. I think that might have been the single most surprising thing, right? Like 583 pound-feet of torque at 2,400 RPM certainly sounds fabulous. Um, But I didn't expect a hybrid twin-turbocharged six-cylinder to sound fabulous audibly. And it did. It's got a real rumble to it that uh, sounds just like a V8. I, you, nobody would know if they were driving that truck what the engine configuration was under that. They would never guess it was a twin turbocharged V6 with a hybrid uh, electric motor helping it out. So it, it it behaves like you'd want a truck to behave in terms of uh, power and sound, and it behaves like a hybrid. You'd want a hybrid to behave in terms of fuel efficiency. And, you know, I mean, we got to be honest. Toyota never was strong on fuel mileage. And for them to be able to do what they did with a truck, that was, uh, that was uh, pretty, uh, pretty amazing itself. Uh, I like the look of it. I like the styling of it. You know, you can tell they're, they're competing with all the other truck manufacturers with trying to, you know, turn the interior into a luxury experience as well as a, a work truck experience. Was that kind of your mindset as well? Yeah, you know, that premium market, Dave, has just gone nuts in the past, like, 10-plus years. Uh, And there's money to be made there, a lot of profit to be made. And so Ford's been, I think, in there the longest with the uh, King Ranch and the Platinums. Dodge got in there, you know, shortly thereafter with the Longhorn. Um, Chevy jumped in in, like, 2014 on that redesign of the Silverado. They brought out that high country. And they said during that press launch, I remember very distinctively them talking about how they thought that they had the GMC Sierra, you know, brand to get the high profit uh, customers, high high premium paying customers. And so they didn't need to do that for Silverado. And they realized they were still just walking away from, from market share and profit with that. So they went ahead and did the premium treatment on the Silverado. So it was time for Toyota, which had the 1794, which was kind of the previous premium one. But now this one just takes it to a whole nother level. And, you know, starting price, including destinations, like $75,000, Dave. So it's not an inexpensive vehicle, but it's pretty pretty fabulous inside and out in terms of looks and styling and, and uh, features. Well, if they're going to compare themselves with the other big trucks, they might as well use price as well because that, that was right up there. Uh, I did towing with it, and, you know, and it was really interesting using the tow mode and not using the tow mode. <laughs> there was a distinct difference. So if you're not someone that's towed, you'll really like the tow mode. Now, you went off-road with it, and we'd done some other off-road events as well. And I think I remember you stating that this was this truck was extremely capable, and it was a very technical course. Yeah, you know, uh, another interesting component of the way they've laid the model line out is that the TRD Pro and the 1794 can get the really serious uh, items like the electronic locking differential and the um, crawl control, which helps it go at a very maintain a very low but uh, constant momentum, low speed constant momentum to help crawl over uh, obstacles. But you can't get that on this new Capstone Premium one that you and I just drove but the capstone does come standard with four-wheel drive 
Um, so again, they've kind of, and the 1794 also comes with um, uh, the the locking differential and the crawl control plus the TRD Pro. So they're kind of trying to give some differentiation, you know, and I took the TRD Pro off-road and like you said, it was really capable. Uh, it's, 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 you know, TRD on the Tacoma and now the Tundra, they Toyota announced how to take on uh, off-road obstacles very, very effectively. But I think that's kind of cool. I also think it's kind of cool and interesting that they're reserving that for kind of the mid-grade. And the 1794 is a very luxurious truck that you can still do it on. But you go Capstone, this newest trim they introduced, their top line one. <clears throat> You've got to go uh, – you can't go pure off-roading with it. It's, it's not designed for that. Right. So I did an interview this week, and I will mention the name, Ford, and their uh, electric – plug-in that can power your house, Chevrolet, I don't think that, I don't know if they have the house powering option, but how soon do you think uh, Toyota will look at that? They've got to, that's a great question, and they've got to have that in consideration, just seeing the uh, kind of positive press and, and uh, reaction the market's giving you know, uh, I think Ford's really onto something with that. And again, you're going to get that kind of stuff increasingly out of pure hybrid vehicles too, or sorry, pure electric vehicles too, like right. the um, the uh, Hyundai Ionic, you know, now has the ability to do that kind of thing. So increasingly we're going to see these huge battery packs, whether it's a hybrid or full electric vehicle, being leveraged to power houses when they're not powering the car. Uh, and Toyota, you know, certainly has the hybrid thing down. They were really the first ones to go mainstream with it with the uh, Prius. So you know they must be at least – playing with that technology behind the scenes, and it's only a matter of time before they uh, announce it as a production feature. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, like I said, you know, uh, there's been a lot of buzz on the Tundra, iForce Max, uh, the hybrid edition, uh, the capstone for sure. We did get a peak of the Sequoia, which looks to me like we're going after uh, Suburban and Expedition. Uh, you know, so the competition's out there, the consumer – I have to admit, it's not the best time to try to buy a new or used vehicle because the prices are off the chart. Uh, what do you see? I know you work for iccars.com. Do you see that same trend in the market? 100%. You know, we do a lot of analysis constantly at uh, iccars.com. We've got a great team and we've got a great amount of data feeds coming in that related to the market, the used and new car market. And the price elevation that you mentioned over the past really like 16, 18 months now has uh, been a little crazy to put mildly. We just haven't seen things. You know, our most recent thing talked about new cars that are cheaper than uh, used cars. Now there's a certain amount of models out there and there's the new car theoretical MSRP, but you can't find any of them. And then there's the used car that's sitting on the lot that's one or two years old with maybe less than 10,000 miles. So we call these the lightly used vehicles, how we define them. And they're, transacting with consumers at a higher price than the new car equivalent of the exact same vehicle because it's sitting there right now on a lot ready to be purchased. Uh, and that has a lot of value in today's world, as you know, David. If the car is actually ready to drive away today on a dealer lot, that's a unique situation, sadly, compared to uh, uh, you know a lot of other cars that are unavailable, a lot of new cars. So, yeah, we're, we're watching this market behave in ways we've really never seen before. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And folks, that used car that you have in your garage is three, four years old. <laughs> Go find out what they'll give you for it. Your heart will stop. You could end up in that two-year-old used car and be happy with it. Well, I don't know how long this trend is going to go. Hopefully, I don't know. 
you know, I don't know if it's the chips. I don't know if it's uh, the emphasis. I mean, I don't know really what's causing it. Hopefully it'll calm down somewhat, and uh, we'll get back on track again. Carl, thank you very much for taking time out of your day. Folks, go to iccars.com if you want real up, real-world information for comparison and purchasing of vehicles. Thank you, Dave. Always fun talking to you. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, folks. Welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl right here on FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. Hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Uh, San Diego Gear and Axle sponsors this segment over at 1488 Pioneer Way in El Cajon. Boy, when it comes to drivetrain, two-wheel, four-wheel, all-wheel, you name it, Steve knows exactly what's going on under your vehicle. Whether you're drag racing, circle track, off-road, or just maybe you want to just a little bit of gearing for towing, give uh, Steve a call at 858-649, I'm sorry, 449-5656. Or just go to sdgearaxle.com. Tell him you heard it right here on KCBQ. All right, I don't know if you knew it, but Lincoln just celebrated their 100th birthday. And I have Ted Ryan. He's the Ford historian. Great interview. Take a listen. You'll enjoy this. All right. Hey, folks, you know I've got my very best friend on the line, Ted Ryan. He's uh, with Ford, and he's involved in all the archives and the history of Ford. And Lincoln turned 100 years old this month, if you can believe that. Ted, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Let me clarify one thing. Lincoln was a little bit older. Ford bought Lincoln and made Lincoln oh, what it is uh, today, a hundred years ago, to, uh, on February fourth. Yeah, because he bought the car. He bought the company from Leland, right? And building it all along. That's right. Yeah. So, and we were talking offline. He paid eight million dollars for it in nineteen twenty-two. And what did you say that rounds out to today? About $132 million, uh, if my math is right. And it's actually a little bit more than the $8 million. Poor Henry Leland. It was a sad story. He built Lincoln. He had been with Cadillac, uh, built Cadillac, left Cadillac, established Lincoln, made airplane engines, uh, and then in 1920 began making cars. Unfortunately, he made ugly cars, and they didn't sell very well. And the company was, was bankrupt, and Ford bought it out of receivership. But Edsel, out of the goodness of his heart, actually – after paying the $8 million to the creditors, then paid off another $4 million to the additional share owners to make them whole. So it was actually uh, $12 million. So add another uh, uh, $800 million onto that figure, eight, or you know, whatever that math is. So yeah, it's a fascinating story. Yeah, it's, got, it's more money than I have in my checkbook, so I can't equate. Uh, and it's such a, a historic story, too. And then and then uh, for Lincoln, well, actually, Edsel Ford, and, and let's face it, Edsel's caught a lot of bad rap, but, you know, he was really the innovator. If it wasn't for him, you know, Lincoln probably, you know, wouldn't be where where it's at today. Uh, it, and it's just, it's just a great read. I guess you're going to do a lot of uh, different things uh, across the country uh, celebrating. Uh, we are. We're starting today, and it's going to be a year-long celebration. And, and like yeah. you said, Dave, this is the chance to put the spotlight on Edsel Ford, who is, in my mind, one of the most underappreciated automobile executives uh, in American history. I mean, he was an innovator. He was everything Henry wasn't. Henry was a mechanical uh, genius who could take apart engines, and uh, Edsel could do part of that, but he also had beauty. He had style. He had refinement. He was artistic, well-traveled 
well-read, cultured, and all of that revealed itself in Lincoln. And, uh, you know, Edsel and, and Edsel's mom, Claire, actually talked Henry into buying Lincoln. And, and the way I described it to one of the marketing uh, folks with Lincoln, I said, Edsel got his own sandbox to play in. He didn't have to listen to dad over there. He could go build the cars he wanted to make. And boy, did he build some classics, the Zephyr, the Continental, uh, just classic automobiles that changed American automobile history. Well, I like the slogan that Edsel used. Father made the most popular cars in the world. I want to make the best. And he truly did. That's what he did. And, you know, every step of the way, he had a hand in the initial uh, batch of Lincolns that he was making. What Edsel did is he brought in some of the finest coach builders of the day, uh, Willoughby, Bronze, uh, uh, LeBaron. Before there was a LeBaron nameplate, there was a LeBaron coach builder. And to build the bodies for these super uh, fantastic Lincolns. Uh, the, the car of presidents, Calvin Coolidge began driving one in 1927. And every American president uh, between then and, and uh, um, uh, Clinton rode in a Lincoln. Uh, you know, it became the car that was that was coveted. And then after Edsel's death, with the emergence of the Continental Mark II in 1955, it, it just redefined style in Hollywood. Everybody who was anybody wanted uh, either the first Continental or then the Continental Mark II. And you cannot find those on the open market today. The collectors are hoarding these cars like they're the – you know, they're the uh, a rare diamond. It's just I just came back from Meekum, and I did not or not Meekum Barrett Jackson. And I did not see one Lincoln. I seen some Duesenbergs and some Auburns, but no Lincoln. So people are hanging on to these things. They're hanging on. He has two. He has a 1940 uh, Continental that was owned by Randolph Scott, and he has a 57 Mark II. Uh, dad, dad was a Lincoln guy long before I even dreamed of working at Ford Motor Company, so uh, he likes his Lincolns. Well, you know, and, and another thing that was unique that a lot of people don't realize, I don't know if they were doing it in 22, but prior to that, those body uh, craftsmen that you mentioned, car manufacturers were sending chassis, or the customer would take the chassis to that coach builder, and, and he would build it accordingly. I'm sure Edsel said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we sending all that money out? Let's keep it in-house. Kind of think that's where he was thinking? Exactly. And that way also he had more control over what the end look was going to be. because, And that's what he wanted was the that level of control over over the, the vehicles because every Lincoln that went out uh, was going to build or tarnish his reputation. And that's the way he thought about it. Yeah, well, back in the day, I mean, you know, especially Ford, their reputation was everything. I mean, and they truly were in tune to to the consumer, whether you're a blue-collar worker with a Model T or you were somebody of, of, of prominence uh, in the uh, in the Lincoln line. So it, it's a, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to check with uh, Motor Books and see. There's got to be a history on the Lincoln, and I, because I all of a sudden become ravenous about reading. I'm getting the latest Mustang book uh, from A to Z, and I and I, I'm sure li there's got to be something out there on Lincoln. Uh, there's a couple of good Lincoln titles out there. Just uh, go go on uh, Amazon or eBay or your retailer of choice and take a look. Can I tell yeah. real quick the, the the Mark II story? Because to me, it's such a fascinating story. Yeah, sure, when sure. 
the, so the Continental goes away in 1948. Edsel had died in 1943, and and nobody had the spirit to try to redesign the Continental without without its uh, spiritual uh, leader and, and Edsel until William Clay Ford Sr. came along. 19, he joined the company in 1948. 1952, they challenged him. They said, do you want to try to redesign your dad's car and bring back the Continental? And he said yes to the challenge. And over the, he did such something fascinating, Dave. He actually had, in clay form and on drawing, his designers designed what a 1950 Continental would have looked like, a 52 and then a 54, so that the Mark II wasn't going to be designed whole cloth like a new car. It was going to carry the spirit of the Continental that, that Edsel had built. And the resulting car, the Mark II, sold for $10,000 a car, which was more expensive than a Rolls-Royce and, frankly, better than a Rolls-Royce. And, and became the car that everybody wanted. Liz Taylor had one painted in her violet eye color. Elvis was in Miami and traded his 55 Lincoln, uh, covered in lipstick, by the way, lipstick messages from his fans uh, for a Mark II uh, that you can see at Graceland now. It became the car of the rich and famous. That is such a great – that's what I love talking to you. You have the best job on the planet. I don't care what anybody says. Because all you do all day long is dig into the history. Uh, I do, without a doubt. The best job. And uh, and if it's not Lincoln today, tomorrow – well, next week at the Chicago uh, Auto Show, we'll, you'll keep, see a couple of cool new things that we've been working on. But there's that's the beautiful thing about Ford Motor Company and Lincoln – is to 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 uh, take the treasures that you have and figure out how to burnish them a little bit brighter. And we haven't even talked about the rest of them, the designer series of the, of the late 70s and the, the Continental Coach Door from 61. I mean, there's so many classic stories to talk about with Lincoln. Oh, I mean, we could do an hour. I'm serious. You know, if, if you guys would write a check, I'd give you an hour on this car because you're right. There is so much technology. Uh, I did see a couple of 61 to 63, you know, suicide door cars, uh, a couple of them bone stock, which I really, really like. Then there was a few modified airbag and what have you. But, you know, that technology, you know, everybody says it's so difficult to do, but you guys did it, passed all the safety tests, and, and now that became another iconic car. Uh, and, you know, it always, I don't know, you're not old enough. Well, maybe you are, but. Remember that slogan, Rise Like a Lincoln? Oh, yes, I do remember that. And with yeah. the coach door, do you know who was the one advocating for the coach door? Who? We have, and, and it's, it's, I'm so lucky, we have the planning design minutes. So I can tell you every design meeting exactly what was said between 1950 and, and uh, 1998, I think, is when that run. So the design minutes were the co- coach door uh, continental. I'll use the official Lincoln term. Uh, Henry Ford, II, he was being cautioned against it. It's going to cost too much. It's not going to be safe. Henry Ford II is one that, that put his fist down on the table and said, no, it looks great. Figure out how to make it work. And thus the world got one of the classic design cars of all time, uh, thanks to Henry Ford II. All right. All right. Well, we're out of time. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to contact John right now. And since we're doing this for a whole month, I'm going to schedule the last uh, – you know, either Wednesday or Thursday of this month, and we'll do a follow-up because uh, I know you've got a ton more to talk about with Lincoln. Uh, oh, if the, if the consumers want to follow your month-long, I mean, have you guys got a website or just go to Lincoln.com? Uh, go to Lincoln.com, and uh, there's a bunch of great materials on the media site. And I, unfortunately, I didn't memorize the URL before I came on, but uh, Lincoln.com and, 
And Lincoln Lincoln 100, the hashtag link, uh, uh, Lincoln 100 is the hashtag for, for some of the celebrations. All right. Ted, have a wonderful year with Lincoln. I know you're going to be just collecting memorabilia. I'm going to reach out to the Lincoln Club here in town, see if I can give them a little uh, love here on uh, KUSI TV. Thank you so much. Take care, buddy. Yeah, can you believe it? Car manufacturers are getting to that 100-year celebration. It's hard to believe how far we've come with uh, today's automobile. And, you know, all you have to do is take a run down to the Automotive Museum, and you can see a fine selection of cars back in the day that, uh, you know, who would have thought where we'd be today? Uh, when we get into the next hour, I've got a couple of reviews, and one of them is the 2022 Porsche Taycan all-electric four-door. So that just kind of shows you. But, you know, you might be surprised electric vehicles were one of the first choices back in the day. In fact, Henry Ford's wife refused to drive a gas-powered car. She said it was noisy, smelly. She just didn't like it at all, and she chose an electric-powered vehicle, if you can believe that. So who says women don't have horsepower, even back in the 1900s? But uh, the celebration of the automobile should be celebrated. Uh, I understand we need to be a little bit more environmentally safe, but I'm going to tell you right here and now, you take a 2022 anything that's being built for the United States and tailpipe it, and you're going to be super impressed on how clean the tailpipe emissions are. So, and I understand where this green environment's going, but there's other entities that are polluting a lot worse than a daily car. I mean, really, stop and think about it. When's the last time you've seen a vehicle going down the road belching blue smoke? you'll have to think real long and hard. Uh, So, you know, the government needs to go a different direction. Uh, The auto industry is a massive supporter of jobs, taxes, revenue. I mean, all of the above. So I, I, I get it, but they're not the culprit. You know, we need to look at other entities. And then, you know, going electric, you know, we got to sort of decide how do we make electricity, find out where it really comes from. You know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, usually when somebody pushes something super, super hard, you know, there's usually a lot of money uh, in the back end. Uh, look at China. Look at India. Look at I mean, look at all these these third world countries that are polluting like in like nobody's business and nobody's saying anything to them. So we're the ones that need to take the the beating? No, I don't think so. You know, I'm all for clean air. I love breathing clean air. I love being able to look all the way up to L.A. Because I'll tell you, back in the 70s, you couldn't do that. So we've made major, major strides. But we need to work harder. And if this planet is going to be around for as long as everybody wants it to be, the planet needs to join hands and make it right, not just not just the United States. And China can do it. Russia can do it. Germany can do it. All these other countries can do it. You know, South America, Africa, Australia, they all can do it. But it, it needs to be done as a group. All right. So one more interview from my good buddy, Jeremy Barnes. 
going to talk a little bit about Mitsubishi because you probably don't even think about Mitsubishi. Well, I do, and Mitsubishi is a great little car. So let's take a quick break. You're listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl on FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. Segment's brought to you by John's Automotive Import Repair. 7447 University Avenue in lovely La Mesa. Just go to johnsandiegoautorepair.com. You'll find the other two loca- or other location that he has. AAA approved, Napa Auto Care, ASC certified. Really can't beat John's uh, automotive. They really, really do a phenomenal job. All right, talk to Jeremy Barnes from Mitsubishi, and he's going to talk to you a little bit about what's going to go on in 2022 for Mitsubishi. Take a listen. All right, folks. Hey, well, I've got my good buddy Jeremy Barnes on the line, and we're going to talk a little bit about how well Mitsubishi did in 2021. And if you have not been watching Mitsubishi, you need to get on the program because this company is heading for stardom. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show, as always. So... Even though last year was pretty traumatic you know, with the pandemic and trying to build cars and what have you, did uh, Mitsubishi's performance surprise you, or was it what you expected? Um, well, to say that uh, it was a strange year would be an understatement. Obviously, everyone everyone's going through the same challenges. Everyone in the world, frankly, is going through the same challenges. The car business has been hit hard. You know, and it's certainly been a tough time whether it was um, dealerships that were closed because staff were sick or whether it was local regulations that that forced them to be closed or whether it was the fact that people didn't want to to buy a big ticket item like a car because of so many unknowns in their life. Um, You know, we we figured it was going to be a tough start of the year. And frankly, it was a tough year all the way through. But I'll be honest with you, some brands certainly beat the beat the curve and and did incredibly well. We were very lucky to have been one of those companies that, that did well. The fact remains, we could have done better if we had more cars. I mean, the biggest thing our dealer partners kept telling us all year long is we need more cars. And obviously, there's this, this global challenge with, with uh, global microchip shortage. That hit us like it hit everyone else. Um, the challenge with global shipping logistics, that hit us hard as well. So, yeah, it was a tough year. There's no question. But, you know, look, to get back to the numbers, how did we do? Frankly, we did pretty well. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said otherwise. We did 102,037 vehicles in total 2021 that was up 16.8 percent so let's call it 17 percent over the year before that it was also the fourth time that we've topped 100,000 vehicle sales since 07. so you know it was a solid year by by pretty much any definition dave um very proud of it very happy with it uh, and hopefully we made 102,000 people happy with their new mitsubishi as well well, you know, and you're right, and it's a team effort. I don't care if it's a football team, baseball team, car manufacturing team. It's all it's all team related. It starts at the top, works its way down. Uh, you came out with some amazing product in 2021. You know, uh, that I think really resonated to the consumer as an alternative to some of the other vehicles out there. You've got the great warranty. You've got great product. And, and I think you hit a couple of really solid home runs. In fact, I can't think of anything that you didn't hit that didn't do well you know, 
as far as the market goes. Now, 22 is a challenge because we still, we really still don't know where we're at. I still think we're having a little bit of a chip issue, mm-hmm. but the products are still coming, or, or the products are still being worked out within Mitsubishi, whether they're upgrades, new vehicles, electric, or what have you. So, do you see 22 as as being a positive? Um, Dave, if I knew what 2022 was going to be like, I would also tell you which lottery numbers to play this week. Um, you know, look, I, I no, I just don't know what the outcome's going to be. Is it going to be easier? We believe that that you know maybe by the second half things are going to going to loosen up a little bit. There'll be more availability, more supply. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I wish some. I wish we did know. We don't. Um, we're certainly doing everything we can, working with our our global teams in Japan and in other markets around the world to source the parts that we need to build the vehicles that customers want. Um, then we're working on shipping logistics to make sure we can get those vehicles to the U.S. Um, you know, there's a global challenge on on uh, containers. You know, if you, you if you can build a part. You can, and then the challenge comes, how do you ship it? So then you get a container, and then the challenge is, well, how can you, can you get it on a boat? Then the boat gets on the water, and then the question is, well, can the boat dock so that the parts, can, the, the containers can be unloaded? Then you get the parts and the containers unloaded, and then you say, well, that's great. How do we get it out the port? Then you get a truck to get it out the port, and then there's, do you have a driver for that truck to deliver it to where it needs to be? You know, it's, 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 it's a tough time for everyone right now. There is no question about it. Is 22 better? I sure hope it will be. Um, you know, there's just so many unknowns. Uh, Product-wise, you know, we've, we've got, you're right. The, things are great vehicle-wise. Our Outlander last year was a huge yeah. success. We, we sold um, for nearly 34,000 Outlanders. Um, 25% increase over 20, over the previous year. And this was the all-new Outlander. That car launched in March. So when I say the full-year sales, you know, really the bulk of those sales were from, say, March onwards because of the launch of the new vehicle. Um, that's absolutely going to carry momentum into this year, into 2022. Um, you know, we've got a plug-in hybrid version of the all-new Outlander that will be out in the second half of this year as well. Nothing but good news on that vehicle as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, 22 is going to be exciting for everyone. Fingers crossed that things are better than 21. And, you know, frankly, thing, fingers crossed that things aren't as great as they're going to be in 23. So it's only better every day forwards. Well, you know, I, I mean, we, we kind of, we as a general public, kind of take buying a car somewhat for granted. You just laid out a scenario that would cause anybody to get gray hair trying to get a product from point A to point B, you know. I mean, yeah. just those those 12 steps you gave all have stumbability in it, is what I call it. I mean, it, it only takes one to stop the train, so to speak. But one thing I can say about you and your team is that you guys just keep pushing forward. You just, whatever obstacle comes your way, you just push forward. Yes, all the other manufacturers are trying to do the same thing. Uh, it's yeah. nice it's starting with a good product. I mean, that's very helpful when you have people screaming for your product. That's sure a bonus. Is. So, yeah, you know, and, all you, and you're a forever optimist. I mean, you always look at the glass half full, not half empty. So that's that, and I think Mitsubishi looks at it that way as well. And But yep. the future is, is, is unknown, and, and that's okay. That just makes your job 
more more fun to get up in the morning and start again. Hey Dave, if it was easy, anyone could do it, right? <laughs> well, you know, look, this is this is a good time for us. We uh, the back in um, at the beginning of December, we celebrated the start of our 40th year in business here in the U.S. So we started business back in uh, on December the let's see, December the 8th, 1981 is when we were officially became a company in the United States. So we're going into our 40th year in business this year. So that's another great thing that we've got to, to, uh, to celebrate. Um, we're going to have some special anniversary model of the Outlander that will be available later this year. And that, along with the PHEV, is the big news product-wise. You know, certainly continuing the 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty that we offer on the vehicle. It's one of the very best you can get in the industry today. That's yep. nothing but good news. Um, you know, it's it, it, it it's an adventure every day, you know. And we're not a big company, Dave. You know, you know that. Um, we sell as many vehicles in a year as some of the big boys sell in a, in a month. And, yeah. and that's fine. We're okay with that. We're okay with our size. We, you know, would we like to sell more? Sure, who wouldn't? But there's a point at which, you know, what makes Mitsubishi special is you pull up at a traffic light in your new Outlander and you look to your right and you look to your left, and chances are the people on both sides of you are driving the same car, but you're yeah. driving something just a little different. And that's something that, that our customers like about owning a Mitsubishi is that, that they don't see themselves coming and going in traffic every single day. No, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Well, Jeremy, uh, it's always a joy talking to you, and I, and I definitely wanted to get, get you on air for the first of the year. We'll go a couple of months and see how this, uh, this automotive world uh, turns, as the, as the soap opera has always <laughs> said, and we'll, we'll, we'll follow back up and, and see how things are going mid-year, if not sooner. And uh, I, I always enjoy talking to you and uh, – Keep up. Hopefully, you're still uh, vintage racing your little Miata. Hey, I'm still doing some racing, absolutely. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, hey, I'll let you go. And again, thank you very much. Have a fabulous new year. And anytime you've got news, whether Mitsubishi's doing something here in the U.S. to help, you know, the communities, what have you, you know, I'm always open for interviews uh, with that as well. I love it. Thanks, Dave. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend, and to chat with all of your listeners as well. All right, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, you know, that's really what the car manufacturers are all about, and he's absolutely right. you got to take a look at the Mitsubishi, especially the new Outlander. Man, they just really did a phenomenal job on it. Uh, you know, they're not the biggest, but, boy, I tell you what, they've got an awesome warranty. They've got an awesome vehicle. And Mitsubishi is not a tiny country company. I mean, it's a pretty good-sized company. So, you know, hopefully uh, you'll take a look at it if you're looking for an SUV. Uh, so in the You Ought to Know show, I'm driving the 2022 Porsche Taycan. Um, and it is, it's the uh, Turbo S Cross Turismo. But I do have a question, and I don't have an answer. I don't know how they can call an electric car a turbo. I need to find that out. That's kind of an interesting question. But we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.